It's War Week at Revival Tabernacle. Thank you for joining us as we lead youth from all over the country in a week-long experience of missions and service. Highland Park in Detroit, Michigan are being blessed right now by the work of our youth with their hearts and their hands. Every morning and evening, our pastors and guest speakers are challenging them with the Word of God, inviting them to take steps towards spiritual growth and to put faith into action. So like I said, my name is Edie. I'm originally from New Jersey and moved to Jacksonville, Texas to work in a ministry. I teach teenage girls about the Lord and they're my babies. I love them. They're crazy. And I love that I wouldn't change nothing about them. And I have a picture up there of them. There they are. Those are my babies right there. That's just a smaller group. Um, but these girls, you see those smiles, but behind those smiles is a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of pain and suffering, but God is so good. And they come and they worship and they're learning how who they are and who their identity is isn't just Jesus and it's just amazing I had another picture I think of there they are see crazy they can never take a straight picture we're like we're putting this in the newsletter can I get it mm? they're like mm, mm, hey you know I want to do all this I'm just can I just get a smile they're like no Miss Edie I'm like all right bet whatever so anyway um I'm married going on 14 years nothing to Miss Terry she got me all beat but 14 years with my awesome husband named Tony we have a two and a half year old daughter and her name is Saray. That's my baby. Aw, isn't she so cute though? For real. Like she's she's beautiful. I have another picture of her. I have like mad pictures. I'm like that. That's like preacher's wife right there, first lady status right there, my little girl. She's like, I got my Bible, she's ready, and she loves to dance, my baby is awesome. Have another picture up, of course, because I'm that mom. That was on our adoption date when we, um, officially she became a dentist, and um, God is so good. That's my heart right there, my baby. And that's my other baby. That's my husband. That was her dedication. You know, I'm one of those parents, so you want to see a picture? I got like 50 million, so I, I promise it's probably one more. And... This is, the, this is what it is. All those pictures are real cute, but that's my daughter all the time. She just want to cry and scream and act real crazy. But I don't care because that's my heart, and God is good, and he is faithful. And he's not a man that he will lie, and I want you to remember that. All right, so before I get into anything, um, while I was preparing for this, I was praying. And the word broken just kept coming to my spirit when I was praying. I began to weep in God's presence because when you intercede, like they say, we, like he's read today, when you stand in the gap, God will place that burden on you to pray. So that was the word that he gave me today. So I'm going to talk about the blessing of brokenness. And I'm just going to open in prayer, okay? <sighs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Daddy, I just come before you, Lord. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, and the same. You, O oh God, the Holy One of Israel, the mighty man of war, you who is faithful and just, and you can't go against your name, is faithful. God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you come, that you will hide me behind the cross and you move, O oh God, that you would awaken, O oh God, that you would shake us up, God, Lord Jesus, to move in your word, O oh God, in your praise, in your honor, in your glory, O oh God, that we would take forth your truth outside to this place, Lord. God, I thank you. You are good you are faithful daddy and I love you Lord in Jesus name I pray amen so I'm I'm used to teaching with my girls and I just ask them a question and they usually respond so I just want y'all to entertain me okay so when you think of the word blessing what do you think of anybody money okay huh a gift oh that's good anybody else come on when you think of the word blessing what do you think about don't be scared I ain't gonna judge you Huh? I can't hear you. 
miracle, okay? We think prosperity, right? We think favor. We think wealth. So the word brokenness and blessing don't really go hand in hand in that sense because the word brokenness, it means smashed, it means crushed, it means shattered, it means suffering. Does it even come close, right, to blessing? They're exact opposites, but when you're in your walk with the Lord, they're one and the same. And in the Bible, we read mass stories about people that were broken. You got Joseph, Job, Jeremiah, Paul, and of course, Jesus, to name a few. But one thing that I've learned as a Christian is that brokenness and suffering produces growth. And we're going to read a scripture real quick from Romans 5, 3 through 5. And it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. We glory, guys. When we go through it, we're not like, thank you, Jesus, for our trial, right? We're like, for real again? Right? That's how we go. But what does it say here? It says, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, and that hope does not put you to shame. Another translation is that hope does not disappoint, and that hope is Jesus. And we know that he has a mighty plan for us. And that's one thing I got so excited about when I came to the Lord. I was like, I have a plan? I never knew that in my entire life until I came to the cross. Yeah, it says, for eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. It hasn't even entered in your heart the plan that God has in store for them that love him. And I was like, yeah, that's what's up, God. Give me that plan. I want all of it. When you first get saved, you're like, Jesus, give me everything. I want it all. Oh, yeah, everything's all good. And you're like, I'm in love with Jesus. I got Jesus in my homeboy t-shirt. You got all of it head to toe, kind of like when you come here when you come to Warwick you're all souped up about Jesus you all excited and you're like whoa and then you go into reality and it hits you and you get stuck you get caught up in the holy mountain forgetting what you learned here to take it with you on this journey we will encounter times of brokenness but it's in those times where Jesus is your ever-present help in the time of trouble. It's in those times where whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's in those times that he will give you a message. He will give you a word of hope. It's no coincidence that you are here. I don't care if you came from the most broken place or you were raised up as a Christian, you here could impact Highland Park because God has given you that testimony to witness and speak. I don't care if everything was all good and you came from like a life like that was that could probably um relate to those that are outside. If you were saved your whole life, don't think you don't have a testimony. That's the keeping power of God. And you be proud of that. You be proud that you didn't have to walk down a certain path that I had to walk down to get to the cross. You be proud of who Jesus made you to be. You got a word. You have a story. You have a message. But sometimes when you get that message, you have to be broken. You got to be laid out and smashed. But we don't like that part. We like the part, oh, Jesus, bless me, and I love you, and it's all good. And you know what? But there's that brokenness. There's a blessing there, and that blessing is the word. It's a word of hope. It's a word of truth that you will be like, who the sun sets free is free, and you will see miracles activated through you. God forbid you believe in your age that God will use you. Don't believe that lie from the devil. He's a liar because God called you. In Jeremiah 18, 1 through 2, it says, is it up there? Thank you. This is the word that God came, that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. 
We're going to stop right there for a minute. That word potter's house, those words, that means and it represents a place of brokenness, a place where you're going to get smashed, a place where you're going to be molded. But in that place, God promises to speak to you. He promises in that place of brokenness, if you dare to let him go there, that he will deliver you. He will deliver you for your sake and for the sake of this world. He promises to speak to you. God is trying to make you a replica of him. The second you give your life to Christ, it's not about you no more because before Jesus, it was all about us. We were once enemies of God, but now we are co-heirs with Christ. Like, come on, that's what's up. You're enemies and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm here and have, like, hey, there's my mansion right there. You know, you should be excited about that. I'm excited. Can't afford a mansion on this earth. I'm gonna have one in heaven. Psst. Streets of gold, sea of glass. I'm cannonballing in that bad boy. Tell me nothing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so ghetto. That's just how I am, okay? Oh, Jesus saved my soul. But it's in those moments he is not trying to hurt you. It's actually the exact opposite. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God in our merciful, our Father, and the source of all comfort. He comforts us all in our troubles so that we can comfort others. I'm going to say that again. He comforts us all in our troubles so we can comfort others. When they are troubled, you will be able to give them the same comfort that God is giving you. You'll be like, hey, you had a hard time, but guess what? I understand. I got you. And if I don't, you know, I'm going to pray for you anyway. But it's in those moments when we go through these trials and we make it all about us in reality, God is like, it's not even about you really to begin with, but I'm going to break you, smash you, and rise you up. This world will break you, this world will smash you, but this world will never rise you up. It will never put you to where God has you to be. Guys, I understand, trust me when I say, you know, life is hard, right? Has anybody got an easy life here? Please raise your hand. If you found the way for easy, hook a sister up, because for real, I'm tired, <laughs> right? Nobody has the easy way of life. We all gone through some things, right? Um, but sometimes as a Christian, we tend to think that every bad thing comes from the devil. We're so busy rebuking the devil that we miss out what God is really trying to do in us. We cannot blame Satan for everything. You got in your flesh, that's on you. You want to act crazy? That's on you. You got to man up and accept these things. And don't get me wrong. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes like an enemy, like a lion, roaring who he can devour through these crowds, trying to devour you right now to block whatever's going out for you to miss out on what God wants to do in you. That's what he does. Yes, but he is not greater than God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And once you know that and you recognize that, you'll be able to walk out in the truth of God. Like, you know, you, man, Satan, whatever, you better stop with all that. You take those vain imaginations that exalt itself above the knowledge of the word of God and you submit it. Satan has no power, but we give him too many props. Y'all need to remember that it was the spirit of God that led Jesus into the wilderness. It wasn't until he got there was when the enemy came. And don't get me wrong, when you're in that place of brokenness, Satan's going to come because he is a thief. He will set you up to sin, to fail, and make it look good. I'm not even, it could be anything. It could be chasing a dream that God never intended for you to even walk through. 
It could be a scholarship. It could be a sport. It could be whatever. Place an idol in your heart. Yeah, he's giving you a gift that's awesome. But once it becomes an idol, that's a problem. He'll have you chasing that instead of chasing the one that gave you the gift. So when God is there smashing and conforming you into the image of his son, Satan will come with his lies. But that's when you need to put him under your feet. In this world, Highland Park, wherever you are from, they need to hear your message. But you have to be willing to go to the potter's house. You have to be willing to be broken. Are you willing to allow him to go so deep in you and pull out those things that make you feel vulnerable, to pull out those things that make you feel full of pain and despair and anguish? Or how about your even secret sin that nobody knows about? What about the playing church that nobody knows about? Are you going to allow him to set you free from that? Or are you going to stay there on the outside? Life is full of hardships. Trust me when I tell you, I know we all have a testimony. And before I got saved, my life was crazy. I grew up in a very abusive environment. Like it was just nonstop and it was crazy. Um, I was sexually abused by a family friend a couple of times by some men. Um, and from there, I looked for love everywhere. I went to whoever would give me the attention, whether it was, you know, high school. I mean, I was most popular, not even boasting, but like I put on a facade like it was all good trying to fill something that... I didn't know that I couldn't do on my own. So chasing love, chasing things. And when I was in college, I really ended up um, hooking up with this guy who was just a hot mess, man. And I was a hot mess. You know, but when you don't have self-esteem and when you don't have no value because somebody tried to wipe that out of you, how are you going to know you're worth something unless somebody tells you? Nobody told me I was worth waiting for. Psst, what does that mean? I say, whoop. So that word love was tainted to me. That word love wasn't this love that I know today. Polar opposites. So I did, did whatever I can do. And my ex, like, I, I mean, I was never one to succumb to peer pressure. You couldn't get me to do nothing. I was too bold. I would shoot you down. I would fight you. That was just how I was back in the day. You know what I mean? And, but my, my ex-boyfriend was dealing drugs, and I, he had free weed, and it was just weed. I was high all the time, and I loved it, so I thought. But nobody saw the brokenness after I would leave and go home. Inside broken, on the outside trying to front. All because I put my identity somewhere where it should have been. All because I tried to awaken love that I should never have. But Jesus came into my life, praise the Lord. He saved this crazy girl right here. April 9, 2000, I give God the praise for that. He spoke his love, I'm telling you. It was just like me. I went to, I got saved in Times Square Church in New York City. It was all these mad, all these people there all around. And I just felt like it was just me, Jesus, and Nikki Cruz. And that was it. And I went to that altar and I ran to that altar before the altar call. And I laid it and I just cried and cried. And instantly filled with joy. Instantly filled with peace and hope. But love, the love that I was looking for was there in one man. I didn't have to sleep. I didn't have to do nothing to search. It was right there in one man. So trust me when I say, I understand. Trust me when I say the things that you go through, God will use. Because I go home back to Texas and I got my girls that are getting pregnant, my girls that are cutting. People come into my house at midnight because so-and-so was looking for them. You know, like my girls sometimes, like, you know, one time one of the girls, she went home and it was like a, a set-up brothel. She was like 12. Brokenness. But the word of God says that all things work together for the good, for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. What I went through was not in vain because it's to help to bring hope to others. 
The same thing for you. Y'all with me? So, I'm trying to get organized here. Nothing you go through is in vain. Your pain, your past, your present, your situation, God will use it for his glory. Isn't that the end of the day? When you become a Christian, you just want to be used for the glory of God? That you don't want to be a Christian by name tag alone? That you for real, for real? That God will fill your mouth to speak truth and hope and love? That's what we're called to do. Because it's not about us. But we have to be, allow him to go deep. Guys, for real, I say this in love, but we already have enough of this fluffy Christianity. We have enough of the milk of the word only. We have enough of where it's all about bless me, Lord, bless me, about me, about me. It was never about me, but the gospel has became so tainted, that's what it has become. We have enough of that. God wants you to be the solution for that. He didn't call you out the grave for you to sit back and stay lukewarm, to stay complacent, to say about you. He didn't call you to rise up like the dry bones. He didn't call you for that. You are called to be that exceedingly great army to take what he's done in you to out of these doors. Because this town is perishing, but God is so good he put this church here. Guys, that's you. You're the church. I don't care how young you are. We think you're the church. We're the church because we're older. No, you're the church. You're the generation. We're waiting to rise up and to go forth in the name of Jesus to take that banner, to take your cross no matter where it is and follow him and to lead many to him. You, not just us all people. No offense, y'all. You. Dare you believe he got a plan for you? Dare you believe, right? Dare us believe God would actually use us. But he will. He has called you. He has called you out of that valley of dry bones. They're starving out there, guys. They want something real. They want something tangible. They want something that you know that you've been shut up with your God and you have the very presence of the living God. Do you understand that? You have the presence of Jesus Christ dwelling within you, living waters of life to come out to bring healing to others. You. But you have to believe. You have to believe and you have to receive that he will use you. God forbid we believe that God will use us. That's crazy, right? But there's just some things that are only going to come through brokenness. That only comes through the valley of weeping. And in Psalms, this, I don't have it there, so just bear with me. It says that when you go through the valley of weeping, it becomes a place of refreshing springs. And when we think broken and we think sad and we think that we are just so whatever, going through whatever, we don't even think of the other aspect. We don't think that God will use this for his glory because we're so stuck on us. But he wants to use you in that place of brokenness. Guys, we need to really get over it that we don't need to walk around with this smile on our face like it's all good all the time because it's not. That's not real. That's not real. You know what? Yeah, I struggle. You struggle. Who doesn't struggle here? Okay, see? Got one, we got something in common. We all struggle. We go through those valleys. We go through those moments, and we need that realness. So that place where you are that is hurting you so much, and it feels gloomy, it feels so dark, you feel so consumed, that's where God is going to use you. So you can pour out what you poured. And you have to understand, if you're empty, you can't pour. If you don't allow him to go in you and go deep in you, what are you going to give? Jesus 
gave fresh bread, fresh manna to the multitude. He didn't come up with some dusty old, oh, here you go, you're good. But he was shut up with the Lord. He was shut up with God. Jesus himself, who are we not to do the same? And I don't stand here with some head knowledge. I say this like, I remember when I went to Bible school, went to Mount Zion, which is Summit now or whatever. Um, and I remember going through my first trial. I went to that school five months saved, not knowing anything. So I'm sitting here like, okay, Jesus, awesome. You guys, Regina. I was like, God is the bomb up there. They're looking at me like, what are you talking about? You know, so I was like really like not knowing. I was just really trying to come to know the Lord. I had my NIV Bible on the DL because all you had to use was King James back then. I didn't understand nothing he was talking about. So I was just like in chapel hiding my NIV. Oh, all delayed, but I got it, you know? <laughs> no shame, right? But anyway, at that moment, at six months saved, God started um, dealing with me with my um, past of sexual abuse. And I was like, psych, you are not going there. You are not touching that. Because for years, my entire life, I painted this picture like it was a dream, more like a nightmare. Like, I made this up. Like, how dare I think that person would do that to me, that I made myself love them? That I made myself hug them. That I made myself just like, hey, um, I'm sorry I'm thinking these things about you, but no. You know what I mean? But God was like, no. We have to go there. And I remember feeling those nightmares. I remember feeling that pain over again. I was, this was too much. I was going crazy. I'm like, God, I don't understand. And I confided in a teacher. I'm like, I don't understand. I'm only six months saved. Why is he doing this to me right now? I just learned that he loved me. I didn't understand. And she was like, better six months saved than waiting six years saved to be healed. And sometimes some of you that are young in the Lord, man, God is going to do a quick work. If you're hungry, you put a target on your back. He's going to break you, but it's for the glory of God. And you know what? And she was right. And I allowed him to go there. I allowed him there because you know what? I got to the point that if Jesus wanted to go there in me, I'm going to go there with him. And we have to be those type of people. If God is bringing it out, it's for a reason. He chasing those who he loves. He corrects those that he loves. Those he delights in, he will correct. We don't think about delight because if your mom is trying to whoop, you're not like, oh, thanks, mom. No, you're not doing that. You're like, mama, you know, or you give her the side that doesn't hurt anymore. You know, I know what it was for me. <laughs> Total numbness on this side. But anyway, um, but was the past 17 years serving him easy? Absolutely not. I felt disappointed by God. I have felt moments of where I'm like, God, you told me you were going to speak a specific promise to me at this certain time, and I'm still waiting, like, uh, where is it at? I haven't seen it fulfilled in my life. Those times of weeping because I couldn't have a child. People telling me it was something that I did wrong because I couldn't have a baby, and I was just like, look, I rebuke you, you crazy. You know, it was those moments that I sat there that I was so broken, that I was so devastated, I was so crushed, where I wept and I wept and I wept, wondering, God, where are you? God, you're this big God, right? We talk about you're a big God and you're all that. You're all consuming. You're everything. Where are you, big God? You never leave me nor forsake me. Why do I feel so alone? Have you felt that before? Yes. It's in those times that you're crushed and you're wondering, God, where are you? You lied to me. You ever felt like God lied to you that he forgot? Didn't you speak this to me back in 2000 and something? Because I write everything down. Like, hey, we're, time's a ticket. What's going on? right? God is not bound by time, but I'm trying to hold him to a clock. You know, he just can't do it. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and it's his timing. But in those moments, you don't really think that way, right? 
I still had my hurt, I still had my pain, I still had my sickness, but he is faithful and he has kept me. He has been my hope and we know that that hope don't disappoint. And to me, I feel like, <sighs> probably gonna cry, think about it. Every time I hold my daughter, I am holding the very fulfillment of the promise of God because he promised me. He promised me I will have a child. He promised me that he would bless me. He promised. He is not a man that he will lie. You probably can't relate to that because you're young. But at the end of the day, it was worth the brokenness. It was worth me crying on my face, laying down that idol of a child. Something that's good. Laying that down before him and said, hey, Jesus, you know what? If you don't give me a baby, it is all good. I will serve you no matter what. And we have to be those type of people that even if we don't see the fulfillment of the promise in the middle of our brokenness, to hold on to the truth, to hold on to what he has spoken. Sometimes we get so consumed with the gift that he has promised, we forget him. And it becomes this idol. And I had to smash it and lay it down. Or he had to smash me and lay me down, I should say. So life is hard. Back in September 2014, I found out um, I had ovarian cancer. And the crazy thing is I had a tumor seven years prior to that, that I was told that it wasn't cancerous, but come to find out seven years later, it actually was. So this was a recurrence of the first cancer. I never knew I had, if that made sense. So my, he's like, yeah, you have ovarian cancer. You came to me that way. I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> I took my hand after he took my hand, like after surgery. I was like, I didn't come to you this way. He was like, no, you had it for seven years. I was like, oh, lovely. <laughs> I mean... Was I mad at God for that? I could be, but I wasn't. It wasn't his fault. He didn't give me cancer. And the only way I was able to embrace cancer was the years of brokenness I went through prior to that. Trusting him when I had a migraine, trusting him when I had stomach issues, trusting him with every other affliction, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of all of them. But dare we believe and hold on to that truth? It's those times of brokenness where the word of God became my lifeline and my hope. The something that I've learned early on is that in order to have a relationship with God, you need to have a relationship with the word of God. You cannot, cannot be called a Christian. You could do it if you want, but you're just playing yourself. And I say that in love because young people, you need to have a desire for the word because you know what? This world wants to eat you. It wants to take you. But if you are rooted and grounded in the word of God, the very thing that is alive, it will keep you. But how are you going to know? It's like going to a battle without your armor. You are not prepared. You need to be prepared at all times. You need to have that relationship with the word of God. There is nothing apart from him. We could do nothing. Jesus is the word that became flesh and dwells among us. You need that word. I'm telling you, you cannot go through anything in this life. You cannot go through the valley of brokenness if you don't got no word inside of you to keep you. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The mouth of God is the word of God. Guys, you got to be the one that is shut up with Jesus. This world needs you. You have the keys to set somebody free. You, how awesome is that? I wish I knew that when I was a teenager. I probably wouldn't have been so crazy. I wish I knew. But without clinging to the word of God while going through all this, you're going to be defenseless. 
Like when it comes to ovarian cancer, I read a statistic that said people usually die within five years. I had it for seven. Come on now. Can't tell me where it says the word of God that he is faithful. He can't go against his name. He can't go against that. He can't be nothing else. But how are you going to know if you don't tap in? Because you can put it on your phone. Trust me, guys, you need to protect your quiet time. Because we're so distracted. We got cell phones. We got all these things, texting, having conversations in church or whatever. When this is the moment that you can be freed up. It'll be there. Trust me, your text will be there later on. I'm serious, and I say that in love because I deal with my girls. They're like, D -d 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 -d. we take up their phone, sorry. And they, and they love it because you're, you're not distracted. Distractions will keep you from the word of God. And it's not always a bad thing. It could be sports. It could be anything, anything you put before God. When I was going through um, chemo, I had to like, man, I had to be bald. Man, I was like, my head is lumpy. You can laugh. It's funny. It's okay. Uh, uh, it's all good. I ain't even mad about it. You know, so I'm sitting there like, <sighs> because I was beat down a lot, and a lot of it was head trauma. So I'm like, I'm going to have this lump. I'm going to look ugly. And God's like, eating. Don't you preach the girls to the girls that their identity is in me? I was like, ooh, you're right. All right, let's have a head shave party. Be in Puerto Rican, have a party for everything. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> Went back to New Jersey and just had a party, and I was like, all right, guys. And you're like... You're strange, whatever, man. The devil is not going to destroy him. He's going to take it off. And my husband being awesome, an amazing man that he is, shaved his head too. Then my brother shaved his head. I'm like, okay, y'all, let's not start a call. <laughs> Slow it down. We're going to look a little crazy. They're not going to know which one's the guy or the girl because, you know, I'm just saying. Because we all look alike. But anyway, so I had to get this shot. It caused mad pain, like fibromyalgia. And I remember I was sick. It was Super Bowl Sunday, right? The nerve of me getting sick on that day, the holy of holy days, right? So I got real sick um, on Super Bowl Sunday. And um, during my quiet time, uh, I was reading something, and it reminded me of one of my girls that I'm very close to. She's been through so much trauma that God was healing her from her brother raping her, and she was just went through. But in the fire, my girl was standing on the word of God, man. You can't tell me God can't do it. So anyway, um, so he led me to read. I'm just going to read it to you. It's from Psalm 94, just a couple verses. And it says, the Lord will not reject his people. He will not abandon his special possession. Unless the Lord have helped me, I would have settled in silence in the grave. I cried out, I am slipping. But your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. But the Lord is my fortress, my God, my mighty rock, and where I hide. So, and I sent it to her, I said, hey, sis, I'm thinking about you, da-da-da, whatever. And then I went to go take a shower, and I started feeling very sick. And it was just wrong. Something wasn't wrong. I, I, you know, I woke my husband up. I was like, babe, something's not right. And I sat down at the edge of the tub. And then I just was feeling so sick. Like, I did not know. I felt like I was losing consciousness. And anytime I get moments of anxiety and anything, I start worshiping. I said, we start, we sing our little, little ghetto worship song that I learned back in Mount Zion. And singing it, and singing it, and nothing happened. Prayed, and nothing happened. I looked at my my husband I said babe I really thought I was gonna die I said babe I love you he's like no I love you. and he's praying in the name of Jesus and I said babe look at me I love you and then I fell and I remember just waking up like three minutes later not knowing what in the world was going on and I'm just like and God spoke to me he was like I warned you 
and he brought me back, and I read it to you again. The Lord will not reject his special people. He would not abandon his special possession. Unless the Lord have helped me, I would have settled in the silence of the grave. I have cried out, I am slipping, but your own failing love, Lord, supported me. At that moment, God warned me something was going to happen, but you know what? No matter what, I decided, Jesus, no matter what happens, I'm going to follow you. Yeah, I fainted and I fell, and though my husband was really scared, I'm like, you got me. You can't tell me when the enemy tries to come in, God is right there. He says, when the enemy comes like a fuck, God raises up that standard. He said, we have angels take charge over you. You, me. He warned me. I told my husband, I said, babe, man, like when I was in the emergency room, I was like all excited. He was like, what is wrong with you? You know, <laughs> I was like, babe. I was like, God warned me that this was going to happen. He was like, yo, could he warn me? You know, can you let a brother know? It's like, you know what I mean? He's sitting there like, can God, could you have let me know about this? You know what I mean? And on his side, I felt so bad. I'm, he's just like crying. And, Babe, I thought I lost you. I'm just like, God, you're so awesome. Like, whoa, you kept me. I thought my foot was slipping and God was like, Satan, you thought. <laughs> I'm sorry. That gets me excited. I'm sorry, y'all. That's just what it is. So anyway, do I tell you, is life easy? Is it easy? All right. Can we go to John? Lost me again, Jesus. <laughs> so it says in John 16, 33, I have told you all of this so that you have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials, sorrows, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And a lot of times as Christians, we just think we're just this get out of jail free card that we're just gonna have this life that's all that. He was like, uh-uh, I didn't promise you that, but I did promise you you was going to go through some. But a better promise is that I'm going to go with it. Go through you, go with it through you. Well, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Jesus overcame it. He overcame your situation. Do you understand that? That should excite you. Because think about your life right now. Think about what's holding you in bondage right now. I don't care how dirty it is. I don't care how embarrassed you are. Jesus said he overcame it. That should fill you with joy. This world needs you. You have a hope in you that they need. And I don't know what you've been through in your life. I don't know what your situation is. But I know God promises all things to work together for the good for those who love him. I know that the sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in you, in us. You carry the Ark of the Covenant. You carry the very presence of God in you for out there. But dare we believe I'm almost done, y'all, I promise. Guys, the basic theme for War Week is worship, word, witness, and work. And we're going to go out there, and we're going to win. And there's witnessing that we do like yesterday that doesn't use words. It uses hands. It uses feet. It uses tools. That's a witness. But we're going to go out there. We're going to tell the world that we are not ashamed of the gospel. We're going to go out there and proclaim liberty to those that are in bondage, you, me, we're going to go out there to this world, to Highland Park, where it looks real crazy, but God loves crazy. You're a witness. This town needs to hear from the hope that is within you, but we have to be willing to be broken. I just want y'all to watch this clip right quick. I am 
Hey guys, so under your seat, you're gonna see there's like an index card and a pen. And what I want you to do, is at this moment, I want you to write down whatever it is that's keeping you from coming to this place, whatever's stopping you from entering into that, great, that um, place of brokenness. I want you to write down, I don't know what it is, it could be your past, it could be your pain, it could be secret sin, it could be homosexuality, it could be if you're a cutter, or whatever it is that you need to lay before the Lord, you need to lay it down. You need to be healed so you can heal others. Second Corinthians 4 says, we have this light, this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like that dark clay. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not in ourselves. 
We are pressed on every side and not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but we are not destroyed. Through the suffering of our bodies, continue to share the death of Jesus and the life that may be seen in our bodies. But you have to be willing to be broken. Job said it like this, though you slay me, I will hope in him. So are you ready? Are you ready to go there? Are you ready to be healed? Are you ready to be delivered? Right now, I want you to do that. I want you, when you're done, I want you to come and lay it at the altar, but don't just lay it, leave it. Don't pick it back up, because we do that. We lay things down, and we come to altar calls and altar, but we pick it back up in our minds. Leave it here, and I'm just going to ask the worship team just to do their thing. Whenever you're done, you can come up and just leave it here.
Jesus, we just come before you, God, and you see, Lord Jesus, you see, God, you see your children, Jesus, whom you have called, your children that you have called, Jesus, to change this world, life changers, Father, and we thank you, Lord, that they're willing to walk down that valley of brokenness, God. God, I pray a hedge of protection, whatever was laid down at this altar, God, I pray you remove it in the name of Jesus Christ. You, oh God, that is powerful. You, oh God, you said nothing can come against them. What can separate them from your love? Not even what's written on these papers can separate them from your love, oh God. Jesus, I thank you, God. I pray, Father, that you would move over them. Holy Spirit, stir them up. Draw them deep. Draw them deeper and deeper and deeper. You say, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear, because you are with me. You are with them, oh God. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would release them from this, God. Whatever it is, that they will leave it here and walk away, knowing that you are going to do exceedingly above what they ask or what they think, because you are good, you are faithful, your mercies endure forever and ever. They are new every morning, oh God. I thank you, Father. Thank you, God. What can separate us from your love, Daddy? What can separate us from your love? Nothing, God. Nothing, God. Nothing, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You're so good. Oh, God, wrap your children up, oh, God. Wrap them up in your arms and hide them in the shadow of your wings, Daddy. We thank you, Lord, for what you did today. In Jesus' name, we give you the praise. Amen. I'm going to be praying for these. I'm taking these home with me to Texas. And I mean, I'm going to stand in the gap and believe for God to raise up these dry bones. And y'all are going to be, be that exceedingly great army. So I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this special podcast from War Week 2017.